Chris Atkins. And this is Adam. And we'll welcome you to My Hero Cinema. Uh, it's still the same podcast. It's still uh, My Hero Academia uh, focused, and we're still the A&P and all that, but we're watching a movie this time. That should be differentiated from when we're sitting around watching the anime itself. Yeah, it's a subset of Kaio Cinema, where we watch a My Hero Academia movie instead of a Dragon Ball Z movie. That's right. Man, I miss Kaio Cinema. We need to get back to that. We keep saying yeah. that. We, eventually, we will. We, <laughs> we will. We will. I wonder <laughs> if it really is the existential dread of having to watch the uh, Dragon Ball Evolution movie that subconsciously has kept us from picking that project back up. I don't think so, because I was looking forward to a rewatch. You know, when I, when I watched that movie, I was young and dumb and... I'm still pretty young and still pretty dumb, so it'll probably still suck, but <laughs> I hope that it's different. It would be nice to to kind of reevaluate it on a rewatch. It, I I mean, we've we've got to get to uh Dragon Ball superheroes at some excuse me, Dragon Ball Super Colon superheroes at some point or superhero because this one's called World Heroes Mission and that one I think is just superhero. But they still yeah, don't they haven't yeah. released the uh, English version for for a purchase yet, which is driving me nuts because I really want to own it and watch it again because it's great. Yeah, that was a good movie. I enjoyed that movie. But we are here to talk about My Hero Academia and its third movie, which is named World Heroes Mission. Uh, you know, we got heroes all across the world, except they're the Japanese heroes all across the uh, yeah. world. Instead of seeing the other heroes in the other countries, except for Soma, Samal? Oh, the, uh, no, the Egyptian Salam. hero. Salam, thank you. Yeah, we see the Egyptian hero, which is pretty cool, especially since he kind of just got name drop in that last episode of My Hero Academia in season six. Yeah, he did. He was one so, of the uh, he was one of the heroes that was trying to work through red tape and paperwork in order to come uh, to All Might's aid. Whereas Star and Stripes was just like, uh, I'm going to go that. help my homie, you know? <laughs> yeah. With yeah. my with my uh, my flotilla of jets or whatever. I don't know what the squadron of jets, not flotilla. I think that's boats. What an idiot. Um, but yeah, so World Heroes Missions is the third movie. Um, we've covered the first two movies. You'll have to scroll back in the feeds to find those. They were pretty fun. And we did a, uh, one time, did we do the MHA3, or, yeah, MHA3K with a movie, or did we do that with the episodes? I can't remember. I think we did that with a movie. Because that was super fun. We we did a, we hosted like a watch party at one point. Yeah, the watch fun. party was a lot of fun. That yeah, was cool. we need to do something Yeah, like did that we do that with a movie? I don't remember. I feel like we did. Uh, I feel like it was the one of the movies for sure. Yeah, it was fun. We'll, we'll get around to doing more interactive stuff like that, especially because I think now versus then, whenever we lasted MHA3K, we've got a lot more people that would hop on and, and be vocal and, and enjoy that. Our uh, Our Discord channel has been popping off. Yeah, no joke. We've got a lot of new folks in there. So hello, everybody. It's good to have you in there. Yes, if you've made it this far and still tolerate us, we don't understand <laughs> it, but we appreciate it. You tolerate Adkins. I'm almost never in the Discord, it feels like. Although I did get summoned the other day. It, I may have showed up a few days later, but I was there. <laughs> yeah, you do. You, you were <laughs> like somebody who uh, you left us. or, or we, we, we did ping you, and then like a, a day or two. It was over 24 hours later that you finally, I don't know, saw the notification on Discord or whatever. Yeah. But you've been busy, and so I get I that. Been. Whew. Man, and that's the reason this episode is actually coming out a little bit later than normal. We were hoping to record this like a week and a half ago, but hey, here we are. We're sitting down. We're doing it now. Uh, so why don't you say we hop into this, Atkins? Let's do it. Do you want to open up with the, the villainy dialogue or shall I? Uh, you know, I like to always start with the openings. You don't even write them down half the time, so I I'll, I'll start us off. This isn't a recap. 
<laughs> well, so we, we kind of open up with the villain monologue, and he is going into about how, you know, like, he's wanting to know basically why quirks were forced upon humanity, and how quirks have only brought about tragedy. They're not a blessing at all, but they're just the beginning of the end. And he references, like, the uh, book that has on the title there, it says uh, Quirk Doomsday Theory. So I think we've kind of heard a lot about this Quirk Doomsday Theory in general from, like, the overall show, which is just basically that over time, quirks are going to warp out of control and evolve to the point where people won't be able to control them, and it will effectively end the world or humanity as we know it. And uh, we kind of get intro to the main villain of the movie, whose name is Flecht. F-L-E-C-T, and he's like this big blue robot kind of looking guy. Uh, he, he almost looks name, like. By the way. It's a strange name. His that's name for sure. sucks because, you know, it, like his spoilers uh, for the end of this movie, like you find out that his power is that he reflects stuff or yeah. you might even say because his last name is Turn is that he turns forces away from himself and i was just like jesus horikoshi horikoshi hard with fleck turns name and i did not like it as soon as like when they uh revealed what his quirk was i was like good god <laughs> you're like why why did you do this yeah yeah, yeah it's uh it's it's on the nose i didn't even look least. up to see if his like japanese name was anything um I mean, how it could not possibly, his name could not possibly in Japanese be any more heavy handed than Fleck Turn. <laughs> he reminded me, uh, have you ever watched the old YouTube videos, or not YouTube videos, their music videos of, uh, oh, uh, Daft Punk. They have the uh, music videos that are like a big anime, basically. Mm -hmm. He looks like one of the aliens from those music videos. Yeah, he's like really blue, but he doesn't, he's not like, actually blue like he he unblues himself later or actually deku i guess unblues him later on well, he's blue the whole time though no he he's gets, just like different shades of blue he, i'm pretty sure he gets the blue punched out of him at the end of this movie what no i remember him being blue like the whole time okay maybe he does though <laughs> anyway yeah we're, we're introduced to this guy um he's uh there was a line in here that was really funny in this introduction he's talking about how 80 percent of the population is sick with quirks and then he says how many of the 20 percent will have relations with these quirk holders <laughs> it's like good <laughs> lord uh, well and he's like standing up in front of this huge crowd like all of these people and they're kind of in like i called it like a worship chamber almost yeah i have in my notes that it's very heavy church imagery yeah, there is a lot of church Im imagery here, and he basically addresses this. Uh, is it safe to call them a cult? Yes. Okay. He ad he addresses this cult as Humorize. That is their name, and it's basically like a group of individuals that don't like quirks. They want the world to be quirkless, and he's telling them that it is time for them to take action, and they have to take action even if that means spilling blood for humanity's salvation. And we kind of transition away to someone that is uh, part of the crowd running, and he is escaping. He's got this eye patch, and as he's running away, we see Flecht raise this dagger in the air. And the dagger thing is weird, because it's yeah. actually got a button on it that like triggers some stuff. Yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> ceremonial dagger is there just because it's a ceremony i guess um because, yeah yeah, he yeah. Just, you could have you could have had the button on literally anything but he still raises the dagger like he's gonna like he's gonna stab something like he's gonna something. stab they have like a little uh like a little podium that's got the golden glowing baby the first quirk thing like below him and i was like how weird like you didn't have to do the dagger thing but now you're just like threatening to, to like 
metaphorically sacrifice that first child like it was odd yeah it's safe to say that fleck is into the theatrics that's oh god yeah (laughs) like he loves hamming it up yeah he presses (laughs) this button and a whole bunch of machines do machine looking things like it's not really explained well but it's it's like he presses the button which glows which makes something else glow which makes a cube emit a green gas which erupts from sewers onto unsuspecting citizens in a city somewhere it like weirdly turns one dude just into a turtle he had zero turtle uh characteristics about him and then he just becomes one uh another guy his like wing quirk goes crazy and then another chick's hair grows uncontrollably one melts one erupts into flames one dude is just crackling with electricity another dude is just shrouded in mist um it's strange like uh it's it's basically trigger they're they're basically flooding the market with trigger and making quirk go crazy and that usually results in the death of the uh the quirked individuals see and i thought it was more than just trigger because it seemed like it was just amplifying quirks for some people and then if they don't have a quirk at all then it just doesn't surface so like that turtle guy i assumed he had some kind of like either latent quirk or it was like a very subtle quirk like maybe he's got scales or something but then when this thing hit him it caused his quirk to go into overdrive mode and basically just turned him into a freaking turtle yeah that's trigger that's what trigger does i don't think i guess that is what i don't think trigger works on folks that don't have quirks and their whole thing is like we're gonna get rid of all the quirked people even though a bunch yeah. of them are quirked. But they do a, an okay-ish job of... Fi- like, there's one line of explanation for that later. And we'll, <laughs> like, we'll... and it's an okay enough line. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, there are some yeah. pretty good lines at the end of this movie in particular. The, the fight scenes at the end of this movie are pretty good, too. Um, oh, one of them is pretty good. Well, yeah, one of them is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, this scene is just, like, absolute chaos. Like, I think there's even one guy who just emits a bunch of laser beams and cuts this city in, like, half. Yeah, I said uh, a Cyclops pops off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and then this woman finds a man who didn't die, and she's basically just like, hey, you know, uh, you don't have a quirk. You're not exhibiting any signs of a quirk. This means that you have been chosen to be saved. And you, I mean, you can see on this guy's face, he's just like, what? What? <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Uh, and then we kind of smash cut over to uh, an area that's actually introduced. It's named Otheon, I believe is how you would pronounce it. Yep. And uh, the heroes are just basically being briefed on Humorize, who Flecked is, the fact that he's their leader. He's using this gas to trigger quirks. And basically, the Humorize cult has hidden these bombs throughout all of these various cities. So there's all these teams across the world, basically at 25 locations with Humorize. I said offices. I mean, I don't like... I guess maybe you could say churches, headquarters, whatever. Um, And so we basically are just quickly introduced to all of these teams across the world. And then back at like Hero HQ, we've got All Might and a couple of like rando people in charge. Yeah, we've got teams in uh, at Otheon. There's some in some are left behind in Japan. There's some in Egypt. There's some in France, Um, America. They've got some folks down there. Um, All Might is uh, kind of addressing everybody from hq uh, in there they're explaining that like we need to find these bombs duh um yeah. and they might <laughs> blow them up duh um so uh all might's like heroes the successor failure of the task rests on your shoulders let's give smiles back to citizens who are treated who are threatened rather by terrorism i have this at the end of my notes too when midoriya is reflecting on uh everybody in 1a fighting for other people's smiles the more i hear that phrase the less i like it like it's a good concept for like a motivation but they say it too often it just sounds weird to be like everybody's smiles you know like i don't know yeah. that seems i'm getting strange. sick of hearing it too like i 
I really keyed in on this movie where I'm just kind of like, okay, here we go again. Like, I get it. No, I really do. But, like, can we have another cheerleading thing to say? Yeah. Then we get a deployment montage where everybody's got new stealth suits that are black, which is a good start. But then they just have neon highlights, which makes them not stealthy at all. Plus, Endeavor just is a ball of fire in these scenes. (laughs) Like, I... I okay. really liked the outfits. I thought they were cool, but none of them are stealthy by any stretch of the imagination. No. And then they totally disappear at the end of the movie. They're just back in their regular yeah, outfits. Yeah, they only so. are they're only here for this initial incursion or attempt yeah. with the bombs. Yeah. So yeah. uh Endeavor's barking out orders, sending one team to go and try to find the bomb and another team to go and try to find uh Flecked and Baca goes you know, telling everybody to shut up as he blasts off. There's Claire, who is just short for clairvoyant. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but she's ordered to track down the device as a bunch of quirked folks descend on what is presumably a bunch of unquirked folks. Roki freezes, Todoroki, uh, freezes a bunch of minions and cautions Bakugo to go easy. So he uses stun grenades. Uh, a lady with bee stingers for fingernails pins a bunch to the wall. At least I think that that's what her quirk was. Another dude is orchestrating and putting folks to sleep. And I was just, in my my notes, I was like, I feel that one. Like, that would work on me, too. Um, Clear can't find the bomb. And it turns out Fleck isn't there either. And Midoriya reports in. They don't, they didn't find a single bomb. And Midoriya, or uh, the Singapore branch, basically says the same thing. Nobody's found anything. Yeah, like, all the branches are basically saying they can't find any particular bombs. Uh, Now, I was going to ask you... this is the first time we've met Claire, right? Yes. She's okay. Okay. I thought so. Like, I wanted to make sure because I, I went back and was looking through some of my other notes, and I'm like, I don't have a mention of Claire at all when they were doing the team up stuff with Endeavor. So, um, okay, good. Glad I'm not crazy there. <laughs> so, Hawks is uh, basically explaining to everybody that the other attack that happened must have been some sort of like small internal group, like directly under the orders of Flecked, and that it, maybe it was a one off or something happened before it should have. And, and All Might is kind of posturing that maybe there's actually like a secret base somewhere. And so, the leaders of the mission, they're like, they're, they're not even, it's not even Sukwauchi. It's like these kind of two other random guys. Uh, they're basically saying that they're just going to send in more heroes to find the secret base. And then we we catch back up with that. <laughs> and they never do. Midoriya figures yeah. it out, or Todoroki, or Bakugo. is Bakugo. Bakugo. Yeah, yeah, he Bakugo. figures it out in, like, no time at all. And no time at all, yeah. No, later. And it's like, I thought it was kind of funny that it was Bakugo. We'll get to that scene later. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> to be fair, he had information in his hands that maybe everybody else didn't. But I kind of also felt like the heroes had the same information at one point, and they still didn't sort it out. But... Anyway, um, we get a really cool opening that highlights all the team compositions all over the world. I thought that that was really cool. I liked it. Um, I like the way that they did that, too. It was a nice way to have the opening and also get some exposition out, not just have like a normal, you know, uh, here's all of our heroes, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think it was kind of frustrating, too, that like a bunch of 1A just isn't on a team. They're just at the dorm still. Like, Ida, I think, is still there. Mina is still there. Aoyama. So, like, you only see them for, like, uh, these like weird reaction quick cuts where they're just like, where they're watching the news sitting on the couch, you know? Yeah. It's like, it man, is. Why wouldn't you deploy everybody in one a in a movie in this movie? Why wouldn't they all be there um, doing something somewhere? Uh, anyway, I think one of the things that bothered me the most about this movie is, uh, and one of the things that I liked the most about uh, the second movie was that you got to see so much of everybody else doing things, even folks that we don't normally see being uh, really active in the anime um, had their own little moments throughout that movie, especially at the end when they were fighting nine. 
here we get so much less of that. It's focused on, um, you know, the the new male big three, um, Midoriya, Bakugo, and Todoroki eventually, um, which is fine. Like, it's good to have that focus too. But just to have a bunch of them just like still in their like UA jammies watching the news, that felt weird to me. It felt wasted. Like some good characters there, you know. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just throw them on a team and show them briefly? Like, I don't know if that, honestly, now that I think about it, I don't know if that would have annoyed me more or less. <laughs> Do you think it has something to do, like, canonically, that they might not have been part of a uh, team that got sent on one of these missions? Because everyone else is with whoever their study was with. Yeah, I mean, I I hadn't thought about that. I forgot that this takes place. I forgot where this takes place in the timeline. This is when they're all doing their, like, temp agency stuff. Yeah, so, like, you've got, like, Sun Eater with, um, oh, gosh, who is with Sun Eater? He's Fat uh, Gum. Kirishima, yeah. so he's with Fat Gum. So, like, you've got them together, and then you've got Tetsu, Tetsu, Tetsu there as well. Uh, and then on top of that, I think you had Kirishima, um, or not Kirishima, Kaminari and some of his work-study folks. Like, and Tokoyami's with Hawks. So it makes sense that only some of those heroes would have been deployed to this. Yeah, but not every one in 1A that we see on a team is with the person that they were interning with either. And then, and then, because Ochako and Sue is are with the Dragon Girl, the Dragon Lady. Well, Momo was with uh, the snake-haired lady with um, with uh, Kendo, right? And Momo was on a team, and the snake-haired lady wasn't there. Am I remembering That's, that right? No, you're not misremembering that. You're totally okay. right. And then, like uh, Ida, I would have paid good money to see Ida run around with normal Hero Manual, who is always on the scene in the little blurbs in the anime and, and in right. the uh, yeah. manga. Who's just like, what the hell is the number two hundred twenty second ranked hero doing? He's doing work, <laughs> is what he's doing. Why isn't he on the World Heroes Mission Team? Right. Anyway, we can we can complain yeah, we about could, that later. We could, but regardless, <laughs> before before we got that intro, we we follow back up with our eye patch brethren here that is escaping Humorize, and he has a package. He's got this little like suitcase, and he's basically like, if I don't get this to the hero the world's gonna be destroyed ah yeah <laughs> it's so dramatic it really uh, is we get after the opening we get introduced to roadie um who i remember talking about on the pod at one point like when this movie was first coming out in japan and people were like everybody on twitter was just in love with roadie and i was like man he better carry not just a candle but a freaking torch through this movie as much as people were blowing smoke up uh up his butt about who he is and how great this character is I don't think he's worth all that, but um, I know that there are some people that like him, so I'm not going to talk bad about him. I just want you to know where <laughs> my sentiments generally lie. Um, but he does, we're introduced to him and his siblings, Roro and Lala, <laughs> uh, which, okay. Um, and he's going to work. They're going to study and make dinner for themselves uh, if they have to, if he doesn't show back up. And they're like, well, what about stranger danger? And like, they're in like a mobile home, which isn't in the best shape. It's rag, it's raggedy. It's they were wearing stitched together clothes. Even Pedo is like, I think his little mask might've been kind of cobbled together too. I'm not a hundred percent sure. He kind of smacks of uh, pigeon Pete. I don't, that's such a, like, uh, that's a reach for like a reference, but in the original 1987, like Ninja Turtles, um, cartoon, there's an, maybe just one episode where Michelangelo has a pet pigeon named Pete that he puts a little mask on like Pino does. <laughs> and he does show up, I think, in like some of the later series, maybe more prominently. But yeah, Pigeon Pete, uh, Google it. Wow, that's deep cuts there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it fair to say that they kind of seem like they're maybe in like a... Like this, what would you call it? The slums, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. It's, it's not even. I don't. I mean, it looks. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't have called it like a mobile home park. 
No, no, it doesn't you look know? like that at all. Yeah, yeah, no, not like that. Uh, but yeah, he's so Rhodey ends up leaving them behind, and he shows up at this bar, and he's basically asking the bartender for leads, and he ends up having to like pay this guy some cash in order to actually find out that there are some open jobs. So he gets this this particular job to basically intercept this package. I think we're officially given his name Rhodey here, and he takes the bar owner's bike to go and run this job, and he's just like, oh, I'll give it back to the rightful owner later, like, <laughs> basically yeah. insinuating the bar owner's stolen this thing, which I thought was great. Uh, and it's kind of like, I don't know if you felt this way, but, but the scenery, this whole area reminds me of San Francisco. Like they show this massive big red bridge as if it is completely isolated from like everything else. It, it felt like San Fran to me. Hmm. I can see that. We get, uh, the big three out shopping. This would have been Bakugo, Todoroki and Midoriya. Bakugo is doubly pissed for being on standby and also running errands. Um, they're also like in full hero garb while they're out getting groceries. And uh, the only reason that they're on the mission at all, uh, which uh, ex- this is, excuse sh- works, it should have worked for one B2. And we see like someone B folks, but not very many um, is because they were all still on their work duties when the call came through, which is still like, come on, pros. Like, you don't have to drag kids into this stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. I still and Deborah's like, but we do bit. the contract right there. It <laughs> <Yeah>. says it. <laughs> They're like, we'll protect the world from humor eyes. And why does anybody, I think Baka goes like, why does anybody even believe that garbage? They're ta- They're taking a totally hypothetical idea and using it to justify their crimes. Midoriya says almost the exact same thing later on at the most inappropriate moment of all time. <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about that later. But then a, a jewelry theft breaks out. A couple of villains like ripped straight out of the 70s. They are... look like they're from JoJo. <laughs> yeah, it does. Which also has like a kind of disco aesthetic, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. One has like a tornado styled quirk and the other sparkles from his hands for speed. Um, the tornado guy tosses civilians in the air, which Midoriya catches with Black Whip. And then Todoroki skirts the crowd with the ice. Bakugo finds out that the sparkly man can also rip chunks out uh, like of his hair out and cause it to explode. But he's better at it. He's not impressed and just blasts back. Yeah, the other one like blows right past Rhodey into an alleyway. Todoroki's on hot pursuit, and he basically just takes out that robber entirely using an ice wall that this guy doesn't see at all. He just slams right into it. And Midoriya goes after Rhodey because Rhodey has picked up the case that was basically stolen full of jewels. And so Midoriya is now just running down after Rhodey and he does finally catch up. Uh, But Pino, who is like this little pink bird that kind of hangs out with Rhodey, he just hits him in the face and then farts on him. (laughs) Which sufficiently incapacitates Midoriya somehow. I mean, just for the joke, I get it. Like, but like, but really (laughs) at the same time. Yeah, this is kind of a fun little chase scene, though, because Rhodey's doing some serious like parkour across yeah. the top of all these buildings, and Deku's just chasing him with Black Whip all throughout really the city. Really well animated. Yeah, Super it felt well like uh, the opening scene of Aladdin, where he's being chased by all the uh, officers like all around the city. Yeah, yeah the office guard. Like it- yeah, it kind of like mimicked that. It was pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, at, at the end here, Rhodey really does seem like he's actually about to get away and escape. And we're kind of taken over to like this highway scene where the the guy that was escaping humorized with a similar looking suitcase that Rhodey has is shot at by a woman on a bike. She's using some kind of like really cool quirk that basically allows her to like energize arrows, it seems like, or yeah. really anything she shoots. I couldn't she, quite tell. She's, she's decidui. She's the Pokemon decidui. Um, <laughs> like she can generate the bow, but she can't generate the arrows. So she does like run out of them at one point. 
but Decidueye is just like owl, this green, it's a grass type owl. Yeah. Um, and like her, her aesthetic is very much like that. Uh, she reminded me a lot of that Pokemon and she shoots the car, which nearly crushes Rhodey when it falls off of this bridge. Um, Todoroki says that he'll take care of that, um, which is weird because Deku seems to move in the opposite direction and yet still ends up on the scene. It's weird. The, the, the like framing of that particular exchange between Todoroki and Midoriya was odd spatially. Um, but Rhodey heads underground to a subway and hops on, um, having grabbed the case or so he thinks, of course, um, the wrapper from Eyepatch Man was underneath it. So yes. like his was wrapped up and when he, uh, the, the eye patch man's case was wrapped in something. And so when Rhodey picks it up, that little case or whatever he had shrouded around it is sitting there. But, you know, he just thinks it's debris because there was an accident. Um, and we do get a funny scene where Deku like runs and catches up to the subway car. Yeah, because once he gets into that subway car, uh, Rhodey thinks he's just totally gotten away. But Midoriya is just like chasing him down. That was just awesome. runs it down. Yeah, just runs it down. And, uh, you know, they, they end up getting like off of the subway they're in the middle of the tunnel if i remember correctly and roadie wants to know why deku was chasing him and deku's just like well why were you running <laughs> and so they kind of end up in this nice little like uh what would you call it like a standoff where basically deku wants to see what's in the case roadie won't let him see what's in it and they and roadie actually kind of realizes for a moment here that deku's a hero and he's like hold on a second you're not even in your jurisdiction yeah. like, are you allowed to even be doing any of this which is a great point and, yeah and i kind thought it was of pretty sharp yeah, but it's also something that is like almost a huge story plot hole because at that point, why is any like why are any of these heroes here? Where are this country's heroes? Like, why are they not handling humorize? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I guess that the I guess that the the explanation for that is they are, but they're just kind of some of those background heroes that we see, but we don't know anything about or hear That's from. Fair. <laughs> like they're 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 not relevant to the story beat here, so they're just they're there. You just have to pretend they're there, kind of. Deal. I also think that at some point, Rodia explains that there weren't many heroes in his like neck of the woods. Heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in all of these other scenes where we get across the world, there also aren't really any other big heroes that show up, except for Salam. Yeah, that's true. Well, they they there's a comical struggle over the case, which that ends ends up with it uh, being spilled and its contents being revealed as a bunch of paperwork. And so Deku's trying to figure out where the hell the jewelry is. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he's super confused too because he's just like, wait, what? And Rhodey is also obviously super confused. <laughs> yeah, because Rhodey was expecting jewelry as well. Um, yeah. But back at the scene of the accident, local authorities seem to have no problem with foreign heroes doing work. Like Rhodey was like, "Hey, can you? Do you even have jurisdiction over there?" Todoroki's like on the scene of an active crime, cooperating with police. <laughs> and yeah, nobody bats an eye. Decidueye is pissed because uh, she got a fortune in gems. Okay, well, oh to be a part of the one percent who's just like, "Oh darn, a fortune in jewels." Uh, but uh, the obviously the they report the mix up deflect. Um, her name is Barros, I think, is what yeah. they what they call her. Yeah, I I'm going to continue to call her Decidueye. The situation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he says, don't forget there's only one way for those possessed by the demon of sickness to atone and to give oneself to the cause of saving humanity. And he's talking to her about herself uh, because she is quirked. And he's basically been like, yeah, you make up for this by giving your life to save uh, to save everyone else's. Yep. Do what it takes. Yep. Well, we transition back over to Rhodey and Deku. Uh, obviously, Deku is furiously apologizing because he feels like he has just insinuated a lot uh, about what Rhodey has done. When in fact, it does not seem like he is part of the robbery that you know Deku's trying to stop. And at this point, Rhodey's just glad that 
Midoriya doesn't think he's a criminal, so he's happy. He takes the case, and secretly he's like freaking out because it's not full of jewelry, and he knows it should be, and he has no idea what to do with it because he knows he can't go back and like hand it in. It's not the right stuff, uh, and he realizes that there must have been some sort of a mix-up whenever there was the uh, the big wreck. And so he just kind of takes off, says he's super busy. Obviously, he's super nervous. He's not really super sure what to do. And then out of nowhere, the police completely surround Rhodey, commands that he gets down on the ground. Uh, they even pull guns on Rhodey. And Midoriya hops in, tries to stop them, but the cops go ahead and just start shooting anyway. So Midoriya uses Black Whip to basically get them out of that scene. And they land on a train. And right as you think that they're about to be free, Barrows comes in and is just lighting them up with arrows. Yeah, well, the police... The plot twist is that the police weren't there for Rhodey at all. They were there for Deku. Um, Deku thinks that it's Rhodey that they're after, and that's why he, uh, he like, suspects police brutality and intervenes when the shots start flying. So he, like, because we find out that, the you know, uh, Deku is being framed, basically, for mass murder. That word has already gotten out, apparently. Um, but he spiremans like a champ, um, but does cause a multi-police car pileup before landing them on that train's roof. So like legit charges at this point, I guess. Uh, but they, he does like, why were they so quick to use lethal force? And it's because he's wanted for mass murder at this point. Um, but in no, in no time, he's having to use air force to divert the arrows from the decidui lady. Uh, the arrows can also be controlled. They're like energy passed maybe from the string that she was able to generate. Um, maybe, yeah. uh, but it's really cool. Again, this is super well animated him like dodging, uh, amongst the trusses on the bridge, trying to avoid these arrows. Uh, Midoriya bails on the train for the sake of the passengers. Uh, Rhodey eventually just passes out, but Midoriya defies gravity and manages to fall faster than Rhodey to catch him in the nick of time. I do think that he <laughs> gives himself a little bit of like a push maybe, um, but it's always, that's a silly thing that happens in movies a lot. Um, yeah. And he takes them underwater and out of line of sight, breaks line of sight basically. Yeah. And Barrows decides to just take off on her motorcycle. So here's my question. What mass murder did Midoriya get charged with? I don't know. I I assume that the because there's they like were... a news report that indicates like twelve or thirteen people died, but they don't really ever say what from. They just blame Midoriya for it, right? Yeah. The only thing I could think is that he was like somehow charged after the fact for the thing with the quirk, the Ideo trigger, the first bomb. Maybe some people died in that, but that seemed like a lot more people than thirteen would have died from that. And he didn't come onto the scene until way after that, so he would have had alibis for that part. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of plot holes there for me as far as, like, why that happened. And I for sure thought they were after Rhodey. Like, I thought that they were aware of him having the case or something. I don't know. Well, um, you know, now that you say that, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe what maybe the timeline is, because we know that the um, humorized folks have a plant in the police, Right. So maybe they were like, hey, this that th there was a report that was made that like this kid has the case. They see that kid with the case that they're looking for and they open fire there. And it's uh, and it's not until that moment that they see Midoriya with him. And then that's how he gets uh, that's how also I thought, put onto the news. That makes yeah, a lot more sense. That's how I thought Midoriya got roped into it was that they they've triggered Rhodey. They pulled guns on him and then Midoriya got in the way. So they were like, all right, we'll just loop this guy in, too. Yeah, okay, I'm following but, you there. But the problem with that is, later in the movie, when they're like about to cross the border or whatever, Rhodey tells Midoriya to go on because the police aren't after him. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's the reason I was asking you, because it felt conflicting to me as well. I'm like, I'm not sure 
I don't know. I don't know how they got from point A to point B on the murder charges. <laughs> yeah. So maybe. But hey, you know. Yeah. I don't know. They're, yeah. they're they basically they're they're trying to frame him um, because he is a hero and they put they make him visible to make his his work hard. I guess. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I was gonna say I love this next scene here because Endeavor is just pissed that they went after these criminals. He's like, "What are you boys doing? Like, yeah." Why are you going after petty criminals? That's what the cops are for. <laughs> Just... I, I love Bakugo's <laughs> response because he says, you're the one who's supposed to be teaching us. Maybe you should explain to us how to ignore crime. <laughs> yeah, I thought, like this whole scene is great. Uh, Endeavor calls them slackers and it's just like, I shouldn't have brought you guys. I'm like, yeah, yeah you should you, have. You are correct. <laughs> um, they, they ask where Midoriya is and it's explained that he's following one of the jewel thieves, but they can't track his phone right now. And then it's just like, never mind, he's calling. Um, and they're they're wondering where the suspect is. And Midori is like, we were just attacked by the police. And Todoroki is just like, why? What did you do? Which is exactly what I would have asked, too. Uh, and he's like, I don't care. I don't know. They just started blasting is basically what he says. Yeah, yeah. And then we were attacked by this villain. And I got the guy with the case, but it had no jewels. And then uh, Claire interrupts the chat to bring the news report to their attention that according to police reports, the suspect who is thought to have killed 12 is at large. Deku, real name Izuku Midoriya, uh, may also uh, have an, an accomplice, which implicates Rodi, of course. Um, so the Todoroki's like, what did you really do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, as if he's Midoriya had been like, oh yeah, about that. That might be why. Um, no, like, he, he, they say you committed mass murder. Just stay off the grid, take the battery out of your phone. Um, headquarters gets the report. There's lots of reaction from all the other teams, but it's, you know, we know it's fake news, yo. Yeah, yeah, everyone seems absolutely astounded by this. But of course, I mean, everybody knows Midoriya wouldn't actually hurt people. So everyone pretty much believes something else is going on. And uh, we, we catch up with Rhodey and Midoriya. Rhodey is just like, dude, what the hell? Like, what is going on? Someone's got to fill me in. But Midoriya has no clue either. Uh, so, you know, poor Rhodey, uh, <laughs> he, he, he's kind of in the situation where he's explaining that he already thought he was at rock bottom. Uh, and it's just like, oh, man, I keep finding a new rock bottom. I felt I felt bad for Rhodey in a, a couple of scenes in this movie in general, just because there's that moment of him just trying to be like that good dude and just not being able to get out of his past or whatever. Yeah. And like I said, like, I, I'm not here to take big dumps on Rhodey's character. Like, he's very sympathetic. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I just I just didn't get all the hype really after having watched it. That's it. Yeah, no, like, I was kind of shocked by the hype too. I definitely expected like uh I don't know. Uh I don't know. I expected something yeah. totally different. I just had different expectations based off what I had seen and heard. Uh, right. Of... He he suffers from and it's not his fault. It's Twitter's fault. Twitter it's your fault. Um because there was a there was an expectation that I carried into this movie about him that I kept twiddling my thumbs waiting for this thing to to manifest that never did. Yeah. Um, but he is like, he's a fine character. He's, I think he's, uh, he's sympathetic. He's well motivated. You know, he's a, he's a family guy. He wants to protect his, uh, his siblings. Um, and yeah, he's, he's scraping by, he's doing what he can. Like he's super noble. That, that much is a hundred percent true. Oh, absolutely. Even, I think Midori even says like uses that word to describe him, uh, towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. He does because he looks at Fleck turn at one point and he's like, you'll never be as noble as Rhodey. And I was like, he's a villain. Like, that's not a goal of his. That's not a, that's not the insult you think that it is. That carries exactly. zero weight. He's not out there trying to out-noble anybody, bro. Yeah. Fleck um, is like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, darn. You know? Um, but anyway, um, they determine that whoever's behind all of this doesn't care if they're dead or alive. So they're probably not after 
them as individuals, but after whatever's in this case. And uh, Rody's like, well, let's just give it to them. And Doria says, well, if what's in there is so important, then they'll want to silence us either way. Like, we shouldn't go, we shouldn't incidentally or accidentally help the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. Rody's even like, well, let's just blow it up. And Midori's like, well, that still doesn't fix our problems, man. Like, uh, <laughs> and they go back and forth. This next plan is contacting the police. And and that's when Midori's like, we can't, like, if the police are involved, if it's related to a crime, we can't give it over to the bad guys. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I love it, too, because Rody's just like, well, why don't we just ask the police for a million bucks in exchange for the case? And yeah. Midori's like, well, that would actually make us criminals. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So their their big idea eventually is to cross the borders where the bad guy the bad guy police don't have jurisdiction, but villains don't care about imaginary lines. I know. <laughs> you know? I, <laughs> yeah, because they just decide to run for it to get to a point where basically they can't be arrested. But I would imagine that even after a bit of paperwork, they could get that other country to extradite them. So, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but regardless, that is their bright idea. So they are going to cross the borders into an area named Clade, so the police either can't follow or can't do anything about it if they if they do follow. And Rhodey's just like, yeah, sure, that's a great idea. They swap out their clothes. They're now undercover. They spot a bus that's going to get them to the border. You know, Deku obviously wants to do the righteous thing and pay and just get on, but Rhodey's just like, nah, bro, we're going to ride on top for free. So they ride on top. Uh, Deku does end up paying, kind of, like he shoots some money through... Uh, one of the open windows, which I thought was kind of a yeah, cool shot. Yeah, he's a goody do shoes, but I'll give it to him. Like, that was a cool shot. Yeah, a cool shot. Back in Otheon, Endeavor waits uh, or wants evidence for Izuku's charges, but of course, because it's a pending investigation, the police guy's just like, well, we're not allowed to discuss the details, um, especially since you're his current boss and countryman. Like, he's making the fact they can't talk about it Endeavor's fault somehow. Yeah. De I also thought this was funny. This is more like odd framing. Endeavor is two feet taller than the officers that are standing next to him, like flanking him. And they aren't sitting down because when they walk out, they just turn and walk <laughs> like Endeavor is towering over. I thought Japanese people were supposed to be the short ones, uh, but I guess Otheonians are way shorter than Endeavor is. But the, well, and the, I feel like we have like official height for Endeavor because uh, he's six five. So those are uh, yeah, really short small people. Dude. Yeah. yeah. So those are just really short people. <laughs> yeah. the, the police commissioner remarks that Endeavor is afflicted with stage five. He mumbles, which is just indoctrination language. I think he even like opens up a drawer and you see a copy of the court doomsday yeah. theory there. Yeah. Um, Claire ends up giving Shoto a rundown of the investigation of the car. And again, more like. Japanese heroes and other places doing things, no problem. Uh, it was attacked by somebody with a quirk. The driver was a member of Humorize that's currently in a coma, and then there was jewelry scattered all over the scene. And then he gets a cryptic text from Midoriya, um, keep eating lunch with strawberries and uh, make sure you eat the dinner in the fridge too. And uh, turns out it's code for Clade, the neighboring uh, country, or, yeah, country, I guess. Yeah. So he decides that uh, he... Uh, Todoroki and Bakugo are going to head that way. Um, and they end up with a tail, so they got to give the five of the slip too in the process. Yeah, so once they get rid of the cops, they are uh, on their way. And we, we transition over to Midoriya, who is pondering about like the secret in the case, and Rhodey is just sitting around kind of thinking of his family back home, and he says he wants to make a call real quick. And I'm really shocked. Midoriya is just like, yeah, okay. I, I mean, you guys are on the run. 
I don't know, maybe making phone land. calls. Yeah, it doesn't seem yeah. like that's the best idea. But uh, Rhodey does get a hold of, I think his name is Stanlick. Uh, he's the guy that kind of works the bar. And he asks him, like, hey, could you just swing by the house and make sure little bro and little sister are good? I'm not going to be home tonight. And Stanlick is just like, dude, I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you any favors. Like, I got a complaint that delivery was never made. And if you don't want to die, then you better hurry up and deliver the goods. And uh, so, you know, obviously, Rhodey is kind of freaking out. Yeah, the phone call doesn't go well. And as a result, his two siblings are by themselves for the entire duration of this movie, which is which, at least a full day cycle because Midori and Rhodey do sleep at one point. <laughs> at one, I, it has to be multiple days. It has yeah. to be. There's no way it's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Midori and Bakugo discuss uh, the case of the confused cases. Todoroki's wondering why the police aren't mobilizing for that case. And Bakugo deduces that they've been infiltrated by human eyes. Uh, Midori ends up consulting a map um, and figures out that they there's no like public transportation across the border, so they're going to have to hoof it. Um, Rhodey complains and gets offered a piggyback ride by Midoriya. You don't have to walk. Just hop on my back, bro. <laughs> um, and he says, that's what my strength is for, helping people out when they're in trouble. And uh, this is where they catch some Zs. They're sleeping in a barn. Um, Rhodey has a dream um, about his dad and his uh, siblings when they were a little bit younger. And this is basically just to kind of set up the puzzle thing yeah because he's he dreams about this it's it's a dream but it's a memory um about getting this puzzle thing from his dad which his dad helps him solve and he gets like a pendant uh, for doing it um it's a pocket that that was inside yeah no it's like a a, it wasn't a watch was it yeah i thought it was like like a a, little pocket watch uh for always watching out for his siblings i thought it was just like a picture pendant like a photo maybe claspy thing yeah but it looks like it's in the shape of like a pocket watch yeah yeah it's round has a, like a door, like a little clasp where it opens and closes, yeah. much like a pod- pocket watch. I just don't remember seeing. I don't think there's a clock in it though. It. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just to keep like a picture. Yeah, that's what they. Yeah, it's a pendant, Adam. Pendant. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's the word. We're we full got circle. there eventually. We're yeah. full circle. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so he gets the pendant. Um, he heard that he had abandoned them. Um, the the dad, uh, Rhodey, was told that his dad bailed on uh, him and the kids to go and become a member of Humorize, and their house was graffitied as a result, and they were ostracized for what they might have, quote-unquote, picked up from their dad. Uh, so that's why they're living kind of, you know, in a in a van down by the river, colloquially. Uh, he wakes up and he tries to sneak off, but the bird, uh, Pino, gives him hell, and then tries to wake Deku up, but not before Rhodey makes a call. And um, this is really interesting. So at the very end of this movie, it's like teased what Rhodey's quirk is. And um, like throughout the movie, what we find out is that his actual emotions are displayed through Pino. And I that might be worth rewatching on its own just to kind of pay more attention to Pino. Because like, for instance, um, there's a moment where like Pino nests nests down into Midoriya's hair, which like that's displaying this affection that uh, that Rhodey has for Deku, this comfort. Even when he's sneaking off here, um, he's also kind of, if Pino is emoting Rhodey's true uh, ambitions and emotions or whatever, then he's also kind of hoping that Midoriya... Um, wakes up to stop him. Yeah, stops him. I think that that's a, that would be a cool nuanced thing that if it's done well on a second rewatch, would be worth paying more attention to. Yeah. Because like, I had to go back and kind of fill in the blanks. Like, try to recall it instead of being able to actively watch for it because of the way that they handled his quirk reveal, which was kind of annoying, but 
is what it is. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but he he had, he does actually, Rhodey does actually end up making out with the suitcase. He makes a phone call with a, like a nearby phone booth, and uh, the bird does end up waking up Midoriya. Rhodey flags down like this helicopter that's got, I guess he must have called somebody that effectively, you know. He called the police. Uh, he he must try- have, yeah. Yeah, and the, the police, because they have their plant, send some corked folks to, uh, he's like, where's your friend and turns into an ogre. Yeah. Like asserts, immediately. Yeah. And, and he's like, Hey, you guys must've sorted out by now why it is that we want that briefcase so badly. And Rudy's like, no, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like he's trying to like talk his way out of it. He just wants to get back to his brother and sister though. And he figured that this was the fastest way to do it. Uh, turns out he was wrong. Uh, but Deku does use air force and then a smash on the attacker and the smash sends him greening into the helicopter. Um, Deku runs towards Rhodey who thinks he's coming to smack him, I guess, or discipline him for doing a, a, a silly dumb thing. But instead what he does is he intercepts an arrow that had been fired by Barrows slash Decidueye. Um, and then he uses another smash to kind of put up a, uh, like a smoke screen. Like it's a dust, dust screen in the space between them. And so they managed to give Barrows the slip again. She's been, she's been foiled three times now. Yeah, no joke. She's only wishing she was Lady Nagon. Honestly, like the whole movie, all I could think of was like Barrows wishes she was Lady Nagon. Yeah, Deku <laughs> is mostly fine due to the pocket protector trope, which is a thing in, like, it's a trope in media where, oh, this w- would have killed me if it weren't for this pocket Bible or this, yeah. you know, my dad's, you know, uh, pocket watch or whatever. Um, but they do end up in a cave for the night, and this is where some of the more emotional, um, relational building stuff between Midoriya and Rhodey take place. Yeah, because Midoriya is, is, you know, he's damaged his phone at this point because that's what blocked the arrow. And he has been, to some extent, injured or was about to be very massively injured. And Rhodey's just like, dude, why would you do that for me? Like, you don't even know who I am. I even betrayed you. And you still took an arrow for me, literally. And Midoriya explains that, you know, it's one of those things where he just can't help but help someone in trouble. And Rhodey wants to know why he would help him. Even if he's a bad guy, he doesn't deserve it. But Deku says basically that it's always worth helping someone when you can, no matter what. And that's why he admires heroes. He wants to be someone who can save people with a smile on his face the whole time. And Rhodey tells Deku that, you know, they really couldn't be more different. Like, he is on the exact opposite end of that spectrum. He says his future is set in stone. He doesn't have the luxury of saying what, you know, he wants to be able to do. He uses the example of pilot here. He's like, you know, I can't say that I just want to be a pilot. It's all he can do to just provide for his siblings. And Midori is about to offer some kind of existence here when Rhodey's just like, nah, shut up. Like, I don't want the pity. That's not what this is. He's he's just trying to explain his situation. And he says that, you know, he always thought the heroes were just people that wanted attention and wanted to make more money under the guise of actually helping others. He says that pros never go to the place that he lives because there's no cash there. But yeah. he... He admits that there are obviously heroes like Midoriya out there, too, that clearly just want to help regardless of cash or status. Midoriya says that he wanted to be a hero since he was a kid, too. And he said, I was too weak. and People kept telling me that my goals were impossible and I couldn't use my quirk properly at first. And I was at the bottom of the class. And even now I'm still being propped up by them. So he's, he's like, I'm still weak. And that's why I want to improve and become a hero who saves people and always with a smile. And then this is where Pino kind of nests down in Deku's hair. Um, and they finally exchange names. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's again, after it's all like, this time. Yeah, you remember um, one of the Dragon Ball movies where it was like 
30 minutes in before Balma and Goku finally are just like, oh, yeah, we don't know one another's names. Um, yeah. Same same situation here. Flecht gets another update from the police uh, and then Deku, like it's a very brief scene. Um, Deku leaps painfully up at the first sound, assuming it's a villain. Um, but Rhodey has stolen a car under the name and authority of the World Hero <laughs> Association, which <laughs> is pretty great. I thought that was great. And uh, he's just he's just like, hey, once we figure out the secrets of this case, I can go home. Right. And he kind of catches Midoriya up on Rhodey's dad's situation uh, and talks about how he couldn't find work. Uh, but it sounds like uh, you could become a cop. <laughs> uh, and Rhodey's just staring at a locket instead of the road yeah. uh, while they're trying to talk about this stuff. There's a musical interlude. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, gross. That was unnecessary. Why we got a we basically got a song and a montage of these two characters just traveling across the countryside. Yeah, like, you guys the scenery is pretty nice, but musical interludes in movies like this anyway. Yeah, it's unnecessary, mm-hmm. and I also felt like it really uh, complicated the timeline. Like, how long were they traveling for? <laughs> yeah. This because this makes it seem like it was weeks. It couldn't have been weeks, but it can't have been less than a couple of days either. So I don't know. <laughs> The only thing I took uh, as a note during the musical interlude was that they see a double rainbow all the way across the sky at one point. Um, <laughs> and I, this is like I noted Deku... that apparently Otheon, whatever country it's in, literally has every landscape possible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Deku, th- this is where we get the tease about what Rhodey's Quirker is and how embarrassing it is, but we don't get told what it actually is um, until the very end. But they do arrive at the border. There are police everywhere. Rhodey offers Deku the case and offers to part ways. Um, and he says, you go sort this case thing out and I'll chill and just survive off the land until you get back. Um, but they're interrupted by Barros again. Uh, so Deku's like running up the wall with Rhodey in one hand, which is, that was a really funny, uh, aesthetic. So we get into uh, kind of the first major, like actual quirk battle thing in the movie here. So he's dodging arrows, but she is offered some balls from the dude in the helicopter with her. And like, it's not that kind of anime. He's, he like has... Like metallic bearings, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ball bearings. That's that's what I should have written down. That's um, what I wrote down. Ball bearings. Yeah. <laughs> so he has a quirk, maybe similar. There's a p- person in Class B who's able to like drastically Enlarge. change the size of things, and so he's able to make those. Uh, Is ball that his massive. quirk or her quirk? I think it's his quirk. Okay. Because um, so, I assumed his quirk was turning into a golem. A golem. Yeah, because he turns into like an ogre thing. I think that's a different guy. Oh, I thought it was the same guy. Okay. Maybe I could be maybe, wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, the, the cliff beneath them is demolished by these, uh, these ball bearings. So Midoriya black whips onto the helicopter and Delaware smash air force kicks it. They, <laughs> he lands on the ground. They scramble for the case amidst more dropped ball bearings with Rhodey just like hanging from a cliff by one hand. So he tosses the case up to Deku who's sidelined by arrows, even as, like, the ball man shouts, humorizes catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> they say it a lot. Um, oh, shoot, what is it? I didn't write it down. I just wrote catchphrase. Um, I didn't actually write it down either. <laughs> I've got it in here somewhere. It's something about something, something humanity, blah, blah, blah. And um, this, this guy kind of looks like a sportsmaster, if you've ever watched any of the old, uh, uh, what is it, Young Justice cartoons? Oh, mm-mm. I hadn't. Yeah, he reminds me because he's kind of got like a like a hockey mask on almost. Well, he does. He is frozen in place by Todoroki. Yes. Um, 
who then saves Rhodey and chastises him for difficult to chastises Midori rather for difficult to decipher codes like in Hosu, um, which was also a text message that Todoroki had to decipher. <laughs> then, then a lot happens like really fast. Uh, that this there were parts of this movie that were really hard to take notes on, and this is one. So like Bakugo engages with the arrow lady, and the ball guy turns tail. Bakugo uses explosions to dodge around, homing arrows and snipe them as he advances. She runs out of arrows. Bakugo lands on the helicopter and demands that they stand down or get blown up. She drops out. I think she had a parachute that it wasn't ri like ritual suicide. Um, Todoroki's got the case. Bakugo lets Deku know that the case is connected to Humor Eyes. And then Deku spots the suit compartment. And all that happens like really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the things I did note about this entire scene that I really liked is that Todoroki and Bakugo are both just in their civvies, like just in yeah. normal, regular outfits, just kicking butt. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but Todoroki's got the case. Bakugo tells them the case is connected to Humorize, like you mentioned. And Midoriya actually ends up spotting this like hidden compartment on the suitcase itself. It's like part of the corner piece falls out. And out falls this puzzle of some sort. And it's immediately recognizable. It's the puzzle that Rhodey dreamed about however many days ago at this point. And because it's the puzzle you know, his father gave him, he knows pretty much how to solve this because it's one-to-one. -one. So he just grabs it from the guys after being like, hey, I can solve this. He quickly does it. An SD card falls out along with like this another, it's, it kind of looks like a stick of Ram, but it's like translucent. So <laughs> yeah, they don't, nobody on the scene can identify what that one is. Yeah. It's just like another piece of hardware. Um, and this was when I had in my notes, like was the eye patch guy, Rody's dad, like what a weird coincidence that, 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 you know, puzzle would be there. Maybe the eye patch guy was his dad since we already saw that. That was my first, first crack at it. Uh, but then we kind of quickly follow up with Flecht and the police chief. They're having a little Zoom call. And uh, Flecht is just not worried at all about this at this point. He's like, hey, well, you know, if you know that they're fleeing for another country, whatever, that's fine, because that means they won't be around here to get in the way. So he uh, enacts Code 66 pretty much and uh, yeah. <laughs> for the salvation of humanity. And uh, he hits that button on the dagger again, and the whole room lights up just like it did at the very beginning, all these different colors, and it looks like it arms the bombs across the world. And all the members are like, ah, oh, like they're all freaking out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Apparently they don't have uh, any of the devices in Clade, which is why they were like, eh, if they're over there, they can't really spoil anything that we've got going on. Um, and then also, if you were doing, if anybody with Quirks was doing research in Antarctic, uh, in Antarctica, they would have been fine as well, because there isn't a bomb down there. Um, Humorize streams to the world that they will now fulfill their purpose to protect the powerless from those infected with the disease known as Quirks. And the cleansing will take place in two hours. So he's villain-splaining. Yes. Giving a time, like, they would have been successful if they just did the damn thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> guys, don't. I'll put the world on blast for this. They they do try to they explain it in such a way where they were like, well, we want them to know um the the, the location so that all the hero the pro heroes gather there and they get caught up in the blast. But you don't have to like you could have it's there are easier ways of doing that and just being effective at it yeah, <laughs> than putting a time on it. <laughs> the pro heroes are already there. Yeah. That's the not, thing, right? Like yeah. that's what I and mean, I guess maybe 
I mean, we don't know the blast radius of these bombs, but b- basically Fleck continues to say that if they want to prevent this, they're going to have, you know, the bomb areas revealed. Like, they show the heroes where the 25 locations are so that way the heroes can get there. And the whole thing is, is basically that Fleck wants those pro heroes there so that way when the bombs explode, they get triggered and kill themselves or kill everyone around them or whatever. The pro heroes would all be gone. But, yeah. like, they're already aware of these locations, so they should already be nearby. They are. They are. I think that one of the things that you find out is that the, like, some of the countries have multiple, it seemed like some of the cities even had multiple bombs, but it could have been that a location didn't equal one bomb. You know, one location might needed four because it's a larger city or whatever. Sure. Yeah. um, People start panicking everywhere. Uh, If they were, you know, in a city that was marked on the map, of course, that makes some sense. Um, We see some of the uh, pro heroes kind of, um, distributing responsibilities. So, like, Fat Gum puts Amachiki on rescue duty. Kirishima and Tetsu 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 uh, get to work securing the, an evac route, which is it plays out weird because Amajiki just kind of picks people up in the in the air with tentacles. Like that's that's it. He just like lifts them up. Um, and then the Hardy Boys. That's my new name for Tetsu 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 and Kirishima the because Hardy they're Hardy Boys. Hard. I like that. Yeah. The, the <laughs> Hardy awesome. Boys punch a truck out of the way and they're just like this way that was the extent of their work cementos creates a platform for present mike who tells everyone to come ride the slide gang orca jiro and shoji are trying to locate the bomb other heroes are splitting the same duties up elsewhere um so i just wanted to highlight a couple that stood out to me so like hawk sends out all of his feathers while in the air after tokoyami the other guy who's flying leaves i know so hawks shoots out all of his feathers yeah (laughs) that are the thing what keeps him in the air. <laughs> uh, that was odd. Momo creates some s- s- magic sensors. They sense whatever the hell they need to sense, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she gives them to Setsuna Tokage to spread around the city. Her quirk is still gross, number one. And number two, like in that scene, when her headpiece or her mouth, whatever it was, has a sensor in its, like in the teeth, like it's being held. The rest of them were just kind of like, stuck on i don't know like Like it's like somehow absorbed or something i I wasn't really sure how that worked either how are they being held yeah (laughs) i had the same thought this is where we see salam too Uh, and he speaks cryptically he says something to a couple of the characters i think it might have been like saro mineta yeah um, yeah, that were like you must find what you seek not seek what you find like a way to be helpful to be pharaoh man like (laughs) and then he just like wiggles away and we never see him again so like did he help i don't know (laughs) no idea uh mount lady's just moving cars i thought that was funny makes makes sense i get that yep yep the the fellows are looking into the computer chip we're back up with the big three um bakugo opens up a video file but it's like he says uh i want to look for the timestamp on the newest file it's this video file but it's not a video at all. It's like, like it an audio file. It starts as an audio file, and then it has video like a couple minutes in. It was weird. No, I think that that stuff was illustrated for us who were watching the movie. No <laughs> I think way. it really you was an so? audio file. Yeah, that's what I. That's how I interpreted that. I assumed it was a, like, because when he first clicks on it, it pops up like an audio file with audio yeah, waves. Yeah, with waves. And then I thought that it, like, eventually had some. I just thought it was weird, honestly, that it was Bakugo that knew how to work the computer. In my mind, that would have always been Todoroki. I don't know why. Bakugo knows, how, I mean, he, he knows how to do everything. He knows how to work computers and cook. He's you know? like really convenient when unexpected, like with patience and things like things I would not expect Bakugo to be good at. IT, not one of them. I don't know why. <laughs> right, right. But the idea, like 
even then, the idea of looking at this massive folder structure and just being like, oh, well, I guess I'll just look at the most recent date and see what's there. That I don't think that would occur to a lot of people. And I also don't think that that really makes a lot of sense either. But that's hey, you just clicked organized by a date most recent and it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So they get <laughs> they get some information uh, that the guy that had the eye patch was actually Alan Kay. Uh, and it's basically like a self recording of him. And he's explaining that he was kidnapped by Humorize and him and a few other people. They were basically taken hostage and their families were held hostage. They were told to basically create these bombs. And if they didn't help their families would be killed and that the first attack was a ploy to get all of the big pro heroes to those locations so that way they could actually explode those bombs right in the hero's hands and then use the vacuum of chaos afterwards to let humorize basically build a new world where only quirkless people are allowed flecked will take over and rule and effectively you know they'll have like this new world order under flecked and he also reveals that Eddie Soul, who I believe is Rhodey's father, lost his mm-hmm. life helping him. And they've made this key, which is like that stick of RAM kind of thing that I was talking about, uh, to disarm the bomb at their base. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and we get a scene where we kind of see Rhodey and even Pino um, beginning to shed some tears, but that that moment of emotion is interrupted by folks loudly reacting to the news behind them. Um, because Otheon, where they are, is one of the targeted areas or no, they aren't in Otheon anymore, but Otheon is one of the targeted areas and that stirs Rhodey up. He's like, bro, I got to help, you know, my siblings. And so um, there's a scene of the siblings like cowering inside of the mobile home as people are just running away and they aren't following suit. They just don't know what to do. They're kids, you know, they're just hanging out. So Todoroki wants to send this to HQ and I like this because Bakugo and Deku are both at the same time just like, no, that's a bad idea. Can't do that. They both say it's basically way too late that there's never, there's not going to be enough time for the heroes, the pro heroes to actually react or do anything. That's not uh, the sense that I got from them. I thought that the, the way that Midoriya explained it and I think he explained it in Bakugo he knew that Bakugo understood this to be the case, is that even if even if the heroes knew that the bombs were there to take them out, that if they knew that people there needed help, that they wouldn't run away. Oh, yeah. So it'd just be like wasted time. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Todoroki's like, well, then we use this key, but how? And so Bakugo's comment is, well, only an idiot would make a key without telling you where the lock is. And so he zeroes in on a location that wasn't part of the... Uh, of the announcement. So all these bombs are at Humorize headquarters, I guess, or in cities where Humorize has headquarters, but there's 26 on the map and only 25 bombs. And so uh, Baka goes like, it's probably at that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they find some blueprints of like the actual building itself, yeah. which I guess Alan included on this little SD card. So they're, they're able to figure out exactly where basically like the control unit for the bombs are. And it's of course at the very bottom of this building. Of course. Rhodey uh, hijacks a plane and we get a suit up scene for the boys and uh, Shoto relays the plan to headquarters uh, and Endeavor's team. This is where people start finding these bombs. They've been looking for a while, apparently, Um, because I think they they really only start finding them like with like 30 30 minutes minutes to go. Yeah. Yeah. So like an hour and a half, these guys were scouring. Um, And it seems like I'm sure that this is just, you know, movie cinema timing um, but it's like everybody finds their bombs at relatively the same time it's not like there wasn't a team that was just like hey i found ours at like a, an hour and 58 um yeah you well, know we still got all this time to deal with it what's funny is there's actually at this moment about 30 minutes left in the movie 
It's it's closer yeah. to about forty, uh, but you know you take out like them solving the crisis and add on some extra story there. It was right at about thirty minutes, so they actually did a pretty good job following up on the timeline here until we get to the end. Yeah, and so there's less than thirty minutes on the clock, uh, and even as they're finding these bombs, humor quirked humorized members are putting up resistance. Yeah, uh, then we catch up with uh, the plane that's on approach. It does go noticed, like it's not unnoticed. This biplane <laughs> yeah flag you know. is like showing it to like everybody at headquarters like because yeah. he's got a bunch of like floating tvs where he's showing yeah. kind of like that dude has cameras everywhere it's weird it is weird he must have drones <laughs> just like all of the, the maybe flecked is all those balloons that we keep finding <laughs> yeah um so the the boys tell roadie to just turn the plane around like he's he's talking as if he's going to go in with them but baka goes like that's not where extras belong so get out of here this yeah. is a job for heroes um machine gun fire uh, is le- leveled at the boys as they jump out, and that's met with AP shots from Bakugo. Dekugo and Shoto just leave Bakugo to deal with the goons. Um, Shoto's casually like, <laughs> there's this really suave scene. Uh, when he did it, I wish that Mineta had been there to do it too, like he was doing it at the end of season six. Yeah. But while they're, while they're like ice sliding over people in the hallways, Todoroki still has a little bit of fire on it, like, uh, like on his face and hair. And he just casually like runs his hands uh, through his hair. Yeah. Like... Runs his hands through it all sexy. Like, you know, yeah, it was so funny. I was like, <laughs> and oh, puts man. it out. I was like, man, I wish I could have seen Mineta do that. Um, oh yeah. That cracked me up too. I, I yeah, was actually Bak- really shocked that Todoroki didn't just totally level the entrance here with like one of his massive ice slides. Cause he could have taken out everybody in one foul swoop. I think part of me thinks that they just he they're just like ah let Baka go have his fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> there are plenty of targets out here for him. Just let him let him <laughs> let him let Baka go. Baka go. Um, so Baka go is beating down all these goons, and then a a man with like bladed whip extendy arms yes. ends up attacking him, and he also known Shadow Clone Jutsu. <laughs> or they're they're speak. twins. I assume they were brothers, and they were just like standing in perfect line with one Why another. Why not? Initially. It's a trope. Yeah, I true. mean that's like uh, that's a pretty common trope in movies like this. And DBZ's done it a billion times. I mean, literally every main villain in DBZ has twin henchmen that have some sort of shared power. <laughs> so, well, this is where we get the explanation of like Bakugo's like, if you have a quirk, like why, why are you on this the humorized side? And they they explain they're just like, oh well, we were chosen to work alongside humorize in the new world. Yeah. And it's like, that's it. All right. Yeah. Um, goes like, oh, okay. So you're just saving your own butts. Got it. Very expected yeah. of villains. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then, man, they, uh, that is this fight. This fight is the, awesome. Yes. It's the best fight it's in the whole movie. Hands down the best fight in the entire movie. It's animated incredibly well. There feels like there are actually stakes here. Like Bakugo immediately off the bat starts taking a couple of pretty nasty cuts from these bladed individuals. I don't think we ever get their names here. Blade Boys. Blade Boys. Yeah. The Blade Bros. And like, I hated that we had to cut away from this fight. I would have loved to have watched this fight in one foul swoop. Like, just one big go. All they needed to do is show me this fight because nothing else mattered. (laughs) Yep. Um, We get a quick scene where like Rhodey has crash landed the plane, but he finds himself surrounded by humorized folks who know who he is. Yeah, they just recognize him, which was wild. Yeah. Maybe, I guess, uh, the dad had like a picture of his kids at his evil henchmen forced to do science well they probably are the ones that had a picture of his kids like you know what i mean like they were holding him him hostage via his kids so they're probably the ones with the picture and they're like using it as target practice or something 
That's true. That's funny. Um, inside, Todoroki is dealing with the security system. At one point, it looks like he uses one of his dad's moves, the Hell Spider, yeah. and like rakes some fire across one of the uh, little camera things. He sends Deku on up ahead. Uh, he ends up using, Todoroki does, uh, using Flash Freeze Heat Wave, which is this concussive combination of both sides of his quirk that knocks everybody back. And then this, like, I have in my notes, this giant white devil man attacks, like in uh Todoroki it's hard to like describe his aesthetic but he just like... reminded me of someone that listens to ICP yeah that's uh yeah I can see that and <laughs> not, I think not offensively is just like... like that's what it yeah. looked like and I I was gonna ask you what is his quirk because it seems like he's just kind of this weird demon clown thing I think it might there might be some like some there's got to be some sort of strength element to it but what I think is it's related to keratin. Like he can do something with the keratin in his body yeah, but because he, like, he controls fire and ice later. Yeah. Well, it, uh, does he control ice? I, th- I know he does the fire. Well, like that's what that becomes a big thing. Yeah. And I thought it was implied that he kind of controlled ice or at least that he had resistance against it. Cause the way Todoroki is like, Oh, you can control fire too. Like, I don't know. It just seemed weird. I think the two there is maybe you, multiple like, work like me. Oh, you know? okay, okay, that's fair, that's yeah. fair, yeah. But I think it's I think it's tied to keratin, because it's like his horns, or maybe his hair, and then also he uses his fingertips later on, and I thought maybe that that was uh, fingernails that he was doing it and, it, and it looked like it was solid, whatever it was that he was doing, but that doesn't make sense with the fire thing. Yeah, he's complicated. Um, he, but that the fire yeah. thing was after triggers, so maybe that's part of it, I don't know. That could be. But well, he, regardless, he seems to like be able to just totally break through all of Todoroki's offensive actions here. Yeah, at one point he, uh, as Todoroki is trying to avoid what I think is keratin, um, he gets grabbed and just bodily driven down through the floor, yeah. and then and then later, like it's like it's rough. Even it at this bad. early <laughs> scene here, Todoroki is like questioning, like God, is this guy on trigger? Like what is happening yeah. here? Because he gets literally slammed through the ground, and they end up under this building, like hanging onto this cliff area that's over a river, like an underground river. And I mean, this this villain just uses his quirk to control the flow of water. That's what it is. He's he's like keeping Todoroki trapped under the river itself. It's pretty wild. Yeah, Todoroki says he's able to use his quirk to like he's spinning whatever it is that he's able to control and that's affecting the water somehow yeah. or another. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we don't get a lot of that fight. Like Todoroki gets the shortest amount of fight time, um, out of the, out of these three by like several minutes. Um, but we, we cut back to Bakugo, um, and he may have been hit pretty rough, uh, but he's far from out and he's trying to figure out how they're cutting through his explosion. This is where I have in, the, <laughs> in my notes, that I just called these uh, the Blade Boys, these Orochimaru looking mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because they do, they they take on these like weird snake like smiles totally with right. fangs and stuff. Yeah. And they kind of have his like pale skin and maybe a little, there might have been like a touch of purple in their faces or whatever. But um, he's trying to get in close and he grabs a grenade subtly off of one of his belts, but it doesn't ever look like he uses it. He's trying to slow them down. He gets pierced through at one point. Yeah, like and stabbed then, right in the gut. Yeah, and then he has him raked down his back. That was the thing where I was like, Ugh, that yeah. looks way worse than being skewered. Um, have you seen the trailer for the new Evil Dead movie? No, I've not. There's a scene in it. I haven't seen the movie yet, um, but there's a scene where a lady's bare leg is like, I don't know, they're fighting in a kitchen or whatever. I don't remember what the context is, but 
one of the crazies like grabs a cheese grater and i was just like dear god that's awful like they're gonna use a cheese grater on that lady's leg like Ow. that visual yeah is that's kind of nightmarish yeah and that's the same kind of thing when he gets uh raked by these things it's like straight down his back just these knives it's, just scraping them it's audible Gross. it's audible like i could just i don't know i yeah Ugh. So it doesn't he doesn't use any of the grenades, but he uh, we find out that he intentionally planted the grenades on a pillar and then uses one of his gauntlets to set them off. Uh, and he buries the two momentarily, at least. And then he has to explain it to us, the audience. Yeah, like uh, that. I was just I literally like sighed audibly out loud when he was like, you know, I put those grenades on the pillars when I, that was the whole play. And I was like, we watched you do it. You don't have to. <laughs> You don't have to tell us. You showed us that. Why are you telling us this? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did like this, Rose... though. It was pretty pretty smart to just level the whole playing field. Oh, like, man. Man, that was awesome. Bakugo is so much fun to watch fight. Yeah. He's, he's my favorite, well, my hero character to watch in a battle because he's so smart um, and tactical and just aggressive. Yeah. Um, and this whole scene is that. so well animated. Like, when they're dashing around that, that pillar that he brought down, it was so cool looking because they're literally doing yeah. circles around it. Like, I really, really dug this fight scene here. Yeah, the, the Blade Bros inject themselves with trigger, so now they've got, like, four more of the blade whip things coming out of their backs. Um, and they look no worse for the wear, despite having been buried yeah. and probably blown up a time or two. I actually, ago. I have in my notes that they reminded me of demons from Yu Yu Hakusho. Mm. Bakugo, though, is he's down to a single eye and is dripping blood everywhere. Yeah. There's blood in this movie. They, they don't hold back on it. It is a lot of blood. It really in this is. Movie. I was a little shocked by how often and and how much blood is shown uh different uh times in this movie yeah it's a lot more than we're used to seeing and a lot more than we're in the other movies and way more than it's been in any of the seasons i'm pretty sure yeah uh, i um, love bakugo's comment here too because when they come out yes. of that pillar like from the dust and everything he's just like hell if you want to get crazy i'm right there with you like i'm yep, let's uh, do it <laughs> it might be the best line of the movie yeah it was and, so good uh, yeah it is really good uh, well, we switch back over to Midoriya, who has taken out a couple of guards, and he's entered this main hallway where Flecht was, like, giving all of his speeches. And he's heading towards this area that he believes is going to lead him to the control system when Flecht presents himself. Like, he, he summons himself into this room and brings Midoriya's attention immediately to him, and he locks this area down. There's this kind of cool scene where, like, all the bookcases and the walls that kind of make up the, uh, I'm going to call it an atrium, get sure. basically completely closed up uh, with these massive, massive, like, steel walls, I guess you could say. So they're, like, officially, like, trapped in. And Midoriya tries to get this, the, the villain monologue out. He's like, all right, why are you doing this? And Fleck is just, I mean... <laughs> this is the... Th this is the... Dumb line where Midoriya was like, um, actually, QDT hasn't been scientifically verified. Like, in the middle of this showdown <laughs> with this... He's like, he pulls out, he does this super nerdy... Like, the villain doesn't give two craps about footnotes and bibliographies <laughs> right now, bro. Like, the way that he said it, I was like, what the hell is this line I doing know. here? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then Fleck turned, basically just goes, yeah, huh? And, and then he explains the Quirk Doomsday theory to Midoriya as if Midoriya didn't already know what it was. Like, yep. I was like, what is happening? The dialogue in this movie just took a weird turn. 
Yeah, and then like Midoriya gets on his rant here where he's just like, well, look, we're all alive. Like, we're all human beings. We're all basically the same. And and Fleck is just like, ah, well, I guess I'm going to have to force you to atone as well. And so Midoriya goes in for a big smash. He's expecting to like one punch Fleck. And Fleck, I mean, this first bit here is kind of weird because when he gets hit, it's like this massive like tunnel it's, of a like a raise just erupt yeah. from behind him or something it scribbles yeah it's it scribbles but until you kind of see what happens where his i think i thought his quirk was kind of hard to follow because it effectively reflects all of that power back against midoriya and midoriya gets sent flying back and he admits like that felt like i got hit with a smash and yeah, then, like from that time that All Might whooped his ass, yeah, him and Bakugo. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what that feels like. And then so, of course, Fleck has to be like, oh, well, I reflect everything I come in contact with. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and I, Midoriya is totally blown away by this. He's like, wait a second, bro, you've got a quirk? And I'm like, come on, Midoriya, the dude's blue. Like, So I know, right? Okay, so yeah, that part's obvious too. I, I will say... um, this is where I just have in my notes to tell the Calvinist story. I want so desperately to meet uh, somebody who um, believes in Calvinist theology, which is um, usually pretty predetermination heavy, to be like, oh, I 100% believe in Calvinism, but I also don't believe that I'm one of the elect. Like, I know, like, that they're just like, yeah, I'm not saved, but I still believe that this is true. That's the kind of situation that's going on here. Sort of like he the difference is Fleck is not planning to remove himself from the population. Right. And apparently a host of other quirked individuals are going to be allowed to hang out, too. Um, but yeah, uh, the the visuals for reflect initially, like with all these smashes and stuff they do, it's just it's just scribbles. And I, I thought maybe they were going for like it's. It's like a more visually dynamic kind of spring where like, you know, the punch happens and it extends behind him and then recoils back. That might be what they were going for, but it's just scribbles and it only ever looks like scribbles. It was well, not that, the best idea. That kind of breaks down at the end of the movie anyways. So, yeah, I I don't know that I'm a huge fan of the way his quirk is represented. I feel like they could have done it potentially a little bit better, especially near the end. It just makes the the visuals really confusing. I will say that I like his explanation of his quirk where you get into some of the nuances of it because he's like, because of this disease, I was never held by my parents, friends or lovers. I repelled even their feelings. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I couldn't even kill myself. And, and this is where he explains that a quirk that cannot be controlled, which is to say one that's always on, which is something Midoriya pointed out um, earlier leads to a life of suffering, but he can save others from this misery. So his explanation of the the nuances of his quirk was good. I wish that there might have been a, just a, like, I don't know what I would wanted of more there, um, but I don't know. It, it was it was really good. I thought that it was described well, the, the ramifications of his quirk. Yeah, and I, I also like that it feels kind of like a foil to Shigaraki, like the whole thing of like, look, I can't control my quirk, and it's made my life really suck. That's basically where Shigaraki's at. Like, he couldn't control his quirk, and it caused everyone around him to get destroyed, you know? So it's not quite mm. the same, but there was some level of kind of like, hey, uh, you know, uh, this quirk has led me down this life that has not been good to me because I had no control over it. And I think we see that in a lot of the villains that that are present in My Hero. So kind of this consistent, consistent storyline here. Yeah, Midoriya 
tries a bunch of different attacks, even from distance, and nothing seems to be working. So at one point, he just decides he's going to race Fleck to the controls, um, and he's dodging all these lasers from the security systems that are in place until Fleck uses his quirk in a really smart and creative way. By uh, he's able to like, he's got like the equivalent of a bunch of like handheld vanity mirrors kind of floating around him. Uh, and he spreads them out around the room so that they reflect all these lasers, basically turning a couple of pop shots into a grid. Yeah. Uh, and that grid just rips through Deku. And this is where there's a lot of blood for him, too. Uh, we're down to like five and a half minutes until the baptism, as Fleck uh, calls it. And um, I love that Midoriya just stands back up um, from being crumpled on the floor in this giant pool of blood. And he's he's really shaky, and he just stands up in typical Midoriya, just, I mean, hold your ground kind of fashion. Uh, and he says, I won't let you. I'm going to stop these trigger bombs. And he kicks on one for all. He gets lasered again. <laughs> like, it's it's violent yeah. uh, what, what Midoriya goes through, and also Rhodey here shortly. Well, and we've got, like, all of these screens that are floating around Midoriya and Fleck. That's right. And, like, Midoriya is seeing all of his friends at these 25 different locations. And, uh, I mean, I guess the ones at UA, too. Uh, no, they're, they're I don't there. think that they no, were up no, there. No, yeah, that would have been weird if he had cameras at UA. That would have been, been kind of funny, honestly. <laughs> but I did I did have in my notes, Fleck done goofed by putting way up, uh, 1A up on the screen. Yeah. Because... By doing that, he's motivating Midoriya. Yeah, and I think he was trying to do it as, like, demoralization to show you, like, look, all your friends are going to die because you can't do what you, you know, claim you're going to. But then it just ended up absolutely motivating him, and he's just sitting there trying to think, like, how can he beat this guy? And he doesn't want to let his friends down, and he is literally about to fall from all of these lasers again when Rhodey actually catches him, and he tells Deku, like, hey, it's going to be fine. Uh, he hands over the disarming key, and he's just like, hey, go take care of this guy. Uh, so it seems like, you know, Rhodey is about to help, and he takes the key, and he just hands it over to Fleck. He's like, I'm just going to give it to you. And he kind of explains that he uh, apparently just decided to help them out because the the what are they, the members that found him at his crash site said that they would, you know, not blow up Otheon if he helped them get the the key back from Deku basically and Rhodey's like I can't not take care of my family so does that, you know now I'm thinking about that does that does that implicate or not implicate does that imply that Roro and Lala both have quirks I think that or maybe I think the implication maybe they is don't that and they he's do. just worried that if if the Ideo trigger goes off there that quirked individuals will lose control of their quirks and they'll be in danger yeah both of those are probably I mean both of those are uh, plausible at yeah least. absolutely uh and, and i feel kind of bad for roadie because he's just like look this is game over like at least i'm going to get to to protect my family i can at least say i did that and this whole scene had me cracking up because fleck is just standing in the corner like a final fantasy boss on pause <laughs> yeah he's not doing <laughs> he's not anything. doing anything but he's he's also kind of i don't think he's in his like second form yet but he's just kind of chilling like watching everything on play yeah, I love how Rhodey says this. He says, if it's between society and my family, the choice isn't hard. And he says yeah. it was the same for my dad. Uh, you know, my, it, basically he's saying my dad had the choice to either, uh, you know, save his family or doom society. And he saved his family uh, or not save his family or save society. That's how it, I should have said it. And he says that he chose to save his family, which meant that he was putting society in the way. I really, um, I really like this, too, because it's never really... I, I mean, did I don't feel like it's ever implied that uh, his father was like held hostage, you know, like it, when Brody tells the story early on in the movie, it kind of makes it seem like he left to go join humor eyes of his own volition. 
that's that was Rhodey's perspective. What we learn here, I think, during this dialogue or maybe from Flecht, is that the families of those scientists were held. It was during the video the, earlier from Alan. So yeah, like that's, that's been revealed to him, but I would have just imagined that this must be a really vindicating scene for Rhodey because it's got to totally change the way he sees his dad. Even though like throughout the movie, it doesn't really seem like he's ever bared a lot of ill will towards his father. Yeah, you know, like there's he just kind of stepped into the gap. Yeah, you know, but it's got to be a and... good feeling of knowing like, hey, at least my dad didn't just abandon us. Like there was a good reason behind it. Yeah, imagine going from the, this place in your life where you felt like your dad doesn't love you by by merit of interpreting his actions of abandoning you and going to work for this terrorist organization but volitionally that's that's what the perspective yeah, was yeah versus hearing not just that his dad died which sucked um during that video but also the real reason why he left which was to protect his kids exactly um so that's a huge revelation and and Rody uses all that to his advantage here he's closing the gap between him and Flecked turn, um, but Pino, who we find out here shortly, eventually um, reflects Rhodey's real intentions um, and makes him an incapable liar. Pops out of Rhodey's hood, shaking his little bird head at Midoriya, so Midoriya picks up on the ruse, and so Rhodey flips the key up, and Pino snags it, and Deku hops right on to Flecked at the cost of his own body, which is very on-brand. He continues to punch flecked but again all that is coming back at him but it's what he can do so he does the thing yeah i mean it's a distraction yeah um he uh, the lasers start trying to shoot roadie as he's making his way with the key towards the door and midoriya starts sniping the sniping lasers but he apparently misses one of his shots it goes a little wide because it does show like a little dust cloud next to it where it might have been hit but it clears quickly and so one of them punches a hole through roadie uh, and I have in my notes that he rides out a scorpion. Do you know what a scorpion is? Like when you fall kind of on your face yeah. and chest and your feet kind of come up behind your head. Yeah. yeah. Like a he, scorpion tail. he rides. Yeah. He rides that, uh, that particular, uh, form, I guess is what you look at that particular posture for like 15 or 20 feet on his face. <laughs> um, after he gets shot and Deku's attempts to get to Rhodey are intercepted by Fleck, who ends up trying to reflect him through the floor, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Really cool application of that particular quirk. They did good with with Flex, not with his name, obviously. I've I've already went over that. But his <laughs> quirk is actually really good. And and they utilize it in really neat ways. Yeah, I do, I do agree. I don't like the way that it's animated all the time, but I think it, the way that he utilizes it is really cool. Uh, but Rhodey is actually like at the doorway to where the computers that control these bombs are. And he kind of lets Midoriya in on it. It's just like, dude, don't die. Like, keep going. And he says, I'm going to go stop the bomb. So he runs off and, uh, you know, Midoriya is just there, like smashing Flecht over and over. And he tells Flecht, like, you're not going to get past me. No matter how strong you are, you will not make it past me. And Flecht attacks and Midoriya keeps him at bay while his arm is literally like starting to crackle from the amount of power that Fleck is exerting over him. And I thought we were going to get more broken arms in this scene, but we don't. Uh, we Not in this scene, but we do get them. Yeah. We flash back to Rhodey telling uh, Midoriya that Pino, the, the bird that follows him around, literally is his quirk. And basically, Pino shows off his true emotions. And, you know, in this, in this moment here, uh, Rhodey's like, ah, it's not really much of a quirk. And Deku's like, no, nah, it's really amazing. Like, not being able to lie ever, that's, that's pretty impressive. And... Uh, Goody two shoes. Yeah, we kind of uh, transition back over to Rhodey, who is just—I mean, man—like almost dead, hobbling down the stairs, blood just going everywhere, like a, a fine trail of blood behind him. 
And then we transition back to the awesome fight with Bakugo, who yes. is just getting absolutely exhausted. Like, these guys are really starting to push him to his limits. And at this point, he's playing defense. He is no longer on the offense. He also has this... I liked Flex um, quirk, but I think that these two are the coolest looking villains in the movie. Yeah. Like, visually, their aesthetic is really cool. It rem- it's, it's kind of... Kind of reminded me a little bit of like something from Naruto, maybe. Wasn't the puppet, the the puppet guy that was part of the? Um, I started to say she. I was about Saikai. to say she is Sakai too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the Akatsuki. The Akatsuki yeah. Didn't he have like a scorpion tail that was kind of like this? I don't think that had like a uh, uh, like blades on it. That sounds familiar. Um, yeah, anyway. yeah, I think it was the puppet guy. I was thinking it was the dude that that travels with him, but no, I think you're right. The puppet guy because he's in like a turtle shell kind of or something, right? Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Um, but the it's pretty cool because Bakugo is still battling. He gets the blades wrapped around his gauntlets at one point, slams the guys into the cliff yeah, face. Yeah, that was cool. And then he launches the gauntlets, but they get cut. So he just, I have in my notes, he just turns into a freaking tornado. <laughs> yeah. He really does. <laughs> and, uh, and he yells, You're not getting up. I love God. What a good line. And then he uses the howitzer impact and, um, his, it's so powerful that his clothes are like disintegrating off of him. Yeah. And like and, literally uh, the entire entrance of this place is absolutely in shambles. Yeah. He collapses the entrance and then he himself collapses. It's so good. It's a very like, heroic moment. Man. Yeah. That fight is so good. It's the best part yeah, of this I, movie. I really agree that that's gosh. Yeah. The fight itself, like just go watch the fight. If nothing else, YouTube that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do catch back up to Todoroki and see the end of his fight. He's starting to lose consciousness and he's, but he sees a light, but not the metaphorical, like you're dying light. Um, he interprets that correctly as a, uh, like we're about to exit the cave or mountain system or whatever. So he freezes the waterfall and the devil dude, who uses his hair, horns, keratin, fingers, or whatever to get out of there. Then Todoroki does flash freeze heat wave. So, uh, but he must have forgotten the fire thing. Um, like, because he, like, he made mention of the fact earlier that the guy just ran through his fire. So, like, it doesn't affect him, but he uses fire here anyway. And so it turns this guy's quirk up to 11. Yeah, I don't know. Like he turns into, like, a fire elemental. Like, lava fire beast. Yeah, fire elemental is a really good way of putting it. Yeah, so then he's he's just like, oh yeah, well you you can manipulate flames too. Well, let's uh, let me just show you my most powerful move. And he does flash fire fist jet kindling, literally fighting fire with fighter. Uh, but it seems to work well enough. So can't, yeah, can't knock it. There's like a funny moment here where if you follow the the like what's drawn, he literally gets obliterated. Like this dude literally just goes into a million pieces, should be dust. But then immediately afterwards, both of them are falling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It does look like he's reduced to ash. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And then the, and then both bodies are just falling into the river. That really cracked me up. Uh, and then we transition back over to Midoriya, who's still going at it with Flecked. Rhodey is like near the mainframe, and he is so close, but he collapses and he drops that pendant. He sees his family, and he's telling himself, "Like I'm going to be just like my dad. I'm going to be like Deku. They would never give up." And he's crawling so hard. I mean, he's doing everything he can, but he just can't quite make it. Pino begins to fade, and we get this counter. One minute left, and Midoriya actually sees that Rhodey is down on one of these like uh, screens. Yeah. Flex got a camera just watching the guy maybe t- t- disarm his bombs, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's so weird. Uh, and 
convenient cameras convenient Fleck is like kicking midoriya away from the entrance he's ripping midoriya up honestly and midoriya is trying to like keep up with him he's attacking him but all those attacks are just getting reflected so he's really not super sure what he can even do at this point yeah and then we get like a bunch of uh i'm not going to give up because so-and-so won't give up just Um, a bunch of so talk yeah, it is. It's hero jargon. It absolutely is. Because Deco's like, I believe in Rhodey because I believe in heroes. And then we get all the recon um, teams finding new bombs and each of them saying, like, I'm not going to give up because so-and-so won't give up. And I just have 1A good vibes in my note. It's, it's We get like a minute of just 1A good vibing. Yeah. Um, but we do uh, see another smash from Midoriya that actually manages to shift one of Flex heels backwards. And... Fleck is thinking that maybe he's gotten stronger, but Midoriya's realizing that his resistance is decreasing. And so I liked this. This does tie into the canon really well, where like a lot of quirks seem to have a physical, there's a limit to them somewhere. Um, and so that's that's what we arrive at here. Um, and Midoriya's just like, well, then if he's got a limit, I'll just surpass it. And so... Fleck is like, I didn't know I, I even had a limit. And Midoriya is just like, well, you gave up. Yeah, I, lo- I kind of uh, love and, this turnaround on Fleck. Dude, he he digs him, though, right here. Midoriya does Fleck dirty because he's like, if you'd kept trying, you might have been able to get along with I people. Know, but instead, I know. Oh, man. Yeah, like, instead, you decided it was a disease, and that's why you're a He failure. basically was like, if you kept trying to hug mom and dad, eventually you'd have gotten to. <laughs> <clears throat> Why do I have GBPU written in my notes in all caps? What happens here? I have no idea how to interpret that. GBPU? Yeah. Oh, well, leave it up to the Discord. I have no you idea. guys can figure it out. Yeah. We'll send you something. I have no idea why. <laughs> I'm sure that it's a acronym of some kind. But anyway, I do Ghost have plus that. Ultra? Uh... Oh, that's it. Go Beyond Plus Ultra. Go Beyond that's Plus it. Ultra. Boom, I figured it out. We now sorted it. send me something. Yep. <laughs> um... <laughs> And so he punches Flecht, and I just have it begins to undress Flecht. Some of his clothes are now falling yeah, off. Yeah, it's like he's losing and his support gear. Yeah. I will say, though, again, keep in mind, like, this is probably the most fantastic thing about this particular fight, is that as Deku is dealing damage, damage is being dealt back. Like, damage dealt for Midoriya is also damage sustained by Midoriya, which makes this fight way more heroic than it actually just looks like if that it makes does, sense yeah because midoriya is basically taking double damage yeah he's basically beating himself yeah, up yeah. um trying to figure out how to take fleck down now at this point he's taking less recoil damage um over time because flex quirk is weakening but still so he de- detroit smashes uh it turns into it looked like it just turned into like regular hand-to-hand yeah. like they just went to boxing for a minute yeah and in my notes i have uh, there's no way these bombs wouldn't have gone off by now like at this point it's been way yeah. more than a minute <laughs> yeah and then midoriya recalls all for one saying a real hero will always find a way for justice to be served and so there's the um the this is the the all for or the one for all color graphic happens the like the rainbow colored uh, little yeah. balls of light and Midoriya enters that same state that he was in. So it's the 100% state, I guess, um, that he was in against Chisaki um, with Ari on his back, the like Super Saiyan Deku. Yeah, it's basically, yeah, that's actually a really good way to putting it, Super Saiyan Deku, because it kind of reminds me of Ultra Instinct, where he's just like, I mean, all over the place, like all over the screen, he's basically a ball of light. And then we kind of see him like throwing a thousand fist punch or something. 
Yeah. yeah. He, he at first he lands punches without any apparent contact, and then he does the big multiple punch at once visual gag, just like he did in the sky um, against Chisaki. Yeah. Um, and then he's his he's so powerful, it's like everything turns kaleidoscopic, and he does the United States of World smash. And this is where I have in my notes that he just knocks the blue right out right out of Flecht. <laughs> um, and then he runs down to the computer in this state, but Flecht is already, he's still conscious, so he's like, you're too late. And the, But there were no detonations, so... Yeah, because we, we um, transitioned back over to, like, this pyramid where a bunch of heroes are literally flinching, like, waiting for these bombs to go off. The countdown is over, but there's been no explosion, and it's revealed that they disarmed the bombs just in time, and we... we yeah, Pino finished the job. Yeah, we transitioned <laughs> back and see Pino that just got that chip in right in time, so Pino gives a thumb up, Deku tells Rhodey, like, hang in there, buddy, we'll get you some protection into the hospital, and Rhodey just wants confirmation that, like, he protected his family and that he stopped the bombs and that he didn't give up he saw it through just like deku would and deku's just like you're amazing and roadie's like no you're amazing <laughs> i yeah i have i have in my notes that they giggle themselves into a still painting yeah they do that's exactly uh. what happens and they they're crying and they're laughing and they turn into that still and we uh we get this really weird hard cut where we just end the movie with a news anchor to Noman. yeah yeah it's the, i just have in my notes to Noman, <laughs> and it was just the pros and students that midori is doing this like voiceover and and it was like the one who really saved everybody and gave us all was him and there's a quick shot of recovery girl giving bakugo a kiss and then we kind of get the the last um well kind of the second to last scene i guess where roadie catches all the heroes as they're getting onto a commercial flight i'm pretty sure they didn't take a commercial flight here i think they were in like a like a bomber of some yeah kind. that's what it seemed um, like but anyway uh <laughs> roadie says if i had died stopping those bombs i'd be a legend <laughs> And I have in my notes, I was just like, how long has it been since someone even checked on those kids? Like, <laughs> um, Midori is like, what are you going to do? And Brody's just like, ah, just go back to normal life, I guess. And then he's, and then he says, we, but you, you got to stay in Japan. Nothing good happens when you're around. So just stay in your lane. And I, then my notes basically, uh, finish on this scene with, uh, unsolicited hug from Midoriya who then promises not to do what, uh, Rody just asked him to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unsolicited hugs. Terrible. And, and the whole time we have Pino like crying in the background. Yeah. And then we, the, the end of the movie uh, outside of the credits and some stills that kind of show you a, a little bit of stuff that takes place after the movie is that Rody goes back to the bar looking for a job, a respectable um, job. And yeah. And then ends up just kind of working there for Stan Leak, uh, as you had said. And, uh, that, uh, Pino leaps up into the air and credits roll. We get some stills of like Rody, you know, being a good surrogate father and uh, working his job and whatnot. But yeah, that was that's it. it. So what do you think, Adam? What, what did you think of movie three? If you were going to rank the movies in order so far, where like, uh, where, okay. One, two, and three. So number two is definitely the best one in my opinion. Uh, then I would put number one and then number three. I agree. I didn't I I didn't love this movie. No, it's the I mean the best part of the whole movie is the Bakugo fight scene. Like just watch yeah. that. Everything else is just okay. It's it's not a bad movie. Like if you want more of my hero stuff and you just want to chill and have this on in the background while like maybe you play some games or something, this is a perfect movie for that. But is it one to keep watching to go back to? Eh, not really. Like it's it's just okay. Uh, I think there's a lot of plot holes here like Flecht could have accomplished his his objective really easily if he just didn't talk and just did things yeah you know and 
the the one thing I will say about this movie is that while I was watching it, it made me want to rewatch the second one. And that like that's not a great thing to say about the third one. It's not a dot like a diss on the third one. But the second movie is, is I think uh, it's it's much more entertaining. And that's the thing. Like I realize what it is that I find the most valuable in a story. Um and it's for me, we've talked about this from like episode one. I want to see powers popping off big time. I like seeing variety. And in this movie, it zoomed in, um, you know, on, on just a small handful of quirks and their applications. And what they did was good. Like we talked about what, what they did well. But when you compare that to the, the second movie where all of 1A was doing stuff, you know, yeah. um, that appeals to me a lot more than uh, putting a microscope on just Bakugo, Todoroki, and, and Midoriya, as good as that stuff was. I like that that bigger picture and more team, uh, like larger team um, uh, and like ensemble cast feel to the second movie than I, than I liked this well, one. Well, and it feels weird that the movie titled World Heroes Missions, where all of the heroes across the world are supposed to be like saving the day, there's less team cohesion than, at least less team cohesion shown than in movie two, which isn't necessarily about that. Like walking into this movie, I expected a lot more I guess, diversity across the cast and, like, who we were spending time with and not this, like, basically hour-and-a-half joyride of Rhodey and Deku. Yeah, in the the road trip, I I think that there are a lot of people who are listening to this that like the movie precisely for that reason, because it does zoom in and because it does focus a lot more on, uh, you know, like, the relational stuff than it does necessarily the conflict itself. And the relational stuff is done well. Like I thought that the way that they uh, kind of flipped the narrative on Rhodey's dad was super yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but that stuff, like I was really bored for like the first 45 to 50 minutes of this movie because there just wasn't a ton going yeah. on. Well, um, and a lot of the weird connections, like why did they have Alan Kay? Like why, why did, why was he a thing at all? That could have just been Rhodey's dad and it would have been more of a connection. Yeah, like I can Alan Kay is just some rando that had no connection to anybody else that I'm. I think it's Alan Kay, Alan something or other. Yeah, but but like that's, right. it, that's kind of one of those things where that's just an added character that didn't need to be there. Biro sound seemed really cool. I would have loved to have known a little bit more about her. Like the things that I wanted more meat from this movie just didn't exist. And I know I think knowing that it doesn't affect the main storyline really really kills it for me because it's like. I mean, show Midoriya builds this relationship with Rhodey and then what? Like, we don't get anything from it. And this could have been a cool opportunity to show some of those world heroes that we get introduced to at the end of season six, like a way to tease them. And they kind of did that with Salam, but not well. So I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think like you had already said, it being world heroes missions and it just being a bunch of the Japanese heroes that we're already familiar with and almost no exposure to anybody else outside of the cast and crew that we're already familiar with felt a little odd out of place um but again it's a movie like i think if this were a show you know like we do this with kyo cinema how might this have been done differently and better if this were in the show format and not restricted to this one's in it was over 90 minutes it was almost two yeah, hours this was a long movie um yeah i think if it had been given room to breathe in the show um, then we would have had, there would have been time, there would have been space to develop some of the stuff that I was desperate for in the movie. But in the, in the frame, uh, the, the time frame of the movie, they focused on 
you know, the, 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 the one relationship that they could flesh out really well, this one between Midoriya and Rhodey. Um, highlighting, you know, other relational emphases along the way, like uh, Rhodey's familial relationships and all that stuff. But in the show, I think they could have zoomed in or paid a little bit more attention and developed these things that were peripheral in the movie just by my merit of it being a movie and not the show. Yeah. I think I think if we had had a TV show, we would have gotten a lot of cool heroes and we probably would have delved more into some of these villains, too. They wouldn't have just been one offs, you know, they wouldn't have been nameless. Well, a lot of the villains were nameless and I mean, quite literally faceless because they were in masks, you know, the the, the scrubs. Yeah, or the but goons I expect, I expect a lot of those to just kind of be scrubs. I'm talking more like the Bladed Brothers or the Bladed Individual like Beeros and the sports master yeah. guy. Like they seem like they could have been some cool henchmen to get to know if that makes sense. Yeah. It's definitely, listen, I, I don't dislike the movie. I, I own it. It's just, if I'm going to reach for my hero movie, this is going to be the bottom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of sure. that yeah. pile. No, like I said, it's not a bad um, movie it, at all. Yeah. Again, it's, this is totally because I know what I like in this movie had spots that really excelled in that. Like the Bakugo fight, super amazing. Um, so the rest of it, you know, just isn't quite what I was hoping for from it. And, um, you know, I can I can go and get the, scratch that itch in another My Hero movie. That's not problematic. There are going to be people who love the third movie for the reasons that I dislike it and not like the second movie for the reasons that I do totally, like it. Totally, you know? totally. But that's kind of the cool thing about My Hero at this point. I feel like it's got a little bit of everything for anyone, right? Like, even the early seasons are so different than the current season that, like, you could argue that if you're not a big fan of the early stuff and you want something a little bit grittier, just watch the last season and, and catch up on the old stuff, you know? Yeah, I grow up with it. I mean, I've heard the same uh, conversation take place around Harry Potter stuff. You know, if you thought that the earlier books were too childlike, like hang on until you get about halfway through. Same thing with the movies. They 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 do mature. They do get darker. They, there are heavier themes, that kind of thing. And, and you see that evident here. And my uh, my hero does have a lot of flavors present within it, um, especially across its different media, because you get silly gag manga like smash um you get really child oriented uh light novels and then you get some of the really dark stuff of the anime and the manga um i mean like we've we've definitely talked about some patches of the anime where it's just like dang like this yeah. is this is heavy yeah, for sure <laughs> you know for sure. it's there but uh yeah i mean definitely give it a watch i mean it's it's more content from a world and featuring characters that we really like and so it's it's definitely enjoyable. I would recommend it for sure to anybody that's keeping up with all things My Hero. Um, but my preference is, uh, you know, it, it, my rankings directly ref reflect your own. I would go uh, two, one, three. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, man, I think that'll bring us to a wrap as far as covering this movie goes. Um, now, as Adkins mentioned, we've got a couple of other things we're looking at. So it may be a week or two uh, or three from now until the next episode. We're not sure super when we'll have something new out, but it'll be soon. Yes, we've got ideas. Um, <laughs> we also realized that we, because of the time between seasons in the past, we've consumed most of the other My Hero content that's available that isn't the anime. Uh, and also isn't the manga because that's not our format. So um, we've we've got some ideas. Y'all just stay tuned um, and don't don't unsubscribe. And when we do drop stuff, um, we will of course ping uh, the Twitter and the Discord channel, and uh, you'll see those things hit your podcatcher of choice. Uh, just as a reminder, we are on Twitter and in Discord. So if you go to at Almighty Pod, 
on Twitter and visit the pinned tweet. You can find a link to the Discord. Many, many of you guys have done that recently. It's been great getting uh, to see new names and have whole new conversations uh, in that channel. Um, so please do join that community. It's super fun. Um, and people are talking about something almost all the time over there. So plug in, uh, tune in, and we will see you hopefully in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. See everybody. We'll